Welcome, everybody, to another episode of ATL Prime Sports. I'm Larry Gardner, joined tonight by the man, the myth, the legend himself in Memphis, Tennessee. Wayne, Wayne is, he is just an amazing human being. Well, Wayne, first of all, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's starting to warm up around here, and my neighbor's uh, yard cutting service just came uh, this week and got her yard looking really nice and ready for summer, so that means the pressure is on the rest of the people on my street to start getting busy out in the yard. Yes, it is. It is nothing worse as a homeowner to have your yard looking immaculate and all of your neighbors looking like a jungle. That never Every, everybody on this street keeps their yards looking really well, and so it's a, it, you don't want to be the one guy whose yard is left unkempt is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, man, that's the worst. That is indeed the worst. I am happy to be excited to be here with Wayne today. Uh, JJ, as you know, is a normal host. He is under the weather tonight, so hopefully he'll be getting uh, some antibiotics in his system and feeling better. He'll be back next week. And then, of course, TC, as always, is on assignment tonight. He is also not available with us, you can find us all on our Twitters at ATL Prime Sports, the show page, of course, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you can um, obtain your normal podcasting platforms. You can find us there. You can uh, hit up JJ on Twitter at JJ Get You One. At Wayne, of course, is at RWI Junior. Todd is at Quarter Todd. And then, of course, mine is at LG, the number four, real T H O, LG for real, though. So you can hit us all up on our social medias that way. Well, what's on tap for today's show? The event, unlike any other, the Masters. Just wrapped up over the weekend. Of course, we'll discuss some of the things that stood out to us over that wonderful event. Breaking news out of Braves camp, of course. Reports are being made that Braves pitcher Ian Anderson may be headed for Tommy John surgery. That, along with other Braves news and notes, and of course, some things that are going on in Major League Baseball. Also, the Hawks. The Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks shocked the NBA world, of course, and picked up a play-in victory last night against the Miami Heat. Their prize for winning that game, the seventh seed, and they will face the number two seed, the Boston Celtics. Of course, that game coming up Saturday, 3.30 p.m. Also, we'll be discussing the Falcons continue to improve on the defensive side of the ball. What other tricks might be up the sleeve of one Terry Fontenot before the NFL draft? in two weeks and and we'll start with the masters wayne i'm pretty sure you were able to see some of the things that we saw uh, at augusta national over the four four day event with the winner being mr rom at a 12 he finished at 12 under par time for second was phil Mickelson and mr kupka both tying at eight under par uh, wayne what stood out to you the most about this masters tournament that was different from years past well I, of course, everybody's going to want to talk about the uh, players, uh, PGA versus LIV stuff. And I, I really think it gets a little bit blown out of proportion because fans that watch golf regularly just want to see the best players play the best players. And regardless of what happens going forward with that, and that was a little bit of a distraction, but I honestly have to tell you that I didn't watch much of it Sunday mm -hmm. uh, because my son and I had to play uh in the wind ensemble for both services. And when we got home, we ate and I really felt like a nap for the rest of the evening. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, I'll tell you some of those, those, those after, after church naps, after you yeah. eat real good, man, some of those, they'd be some of the best naps you could ever take. But you're, you're, you're right though. It's, 
a lot of the things that we paid attention to during the tournament, number one, the biggest thing that most people made headlines over was Tiger Woods trying to tough his way through walking that course. And he eventually, of course, he made the cut, but he eventually had to withdraw due to a plantar fasciitis injury. Um, Wayne, do you think we'll ever see Tiger Woods win another major? You know, there is a chance that he could win one, maybe two majors going forward before his retirement. And I think that alone makes it all the more important uh, for people who are golf fans to really watch these tournaments because you want to, to, you want to witness, you know, Tiger Woods, great player, uh, win his last, you know, tournament. You, you want to, you know, have witness to that. And uh, so I think it's, uh, I think it, it could happen. You know, there's I'm I'm a big NASCAR fan, and there was a lot of people that had counted out some drivers that were getting on in age and surprisingly won another race or multiple races. So anything can happen. Uh, I'm going to take a stab and say one, maybe two more. One, maybe two. It's it was, I'll, I'll say this as a mid 40 year old male who watched Tiger in his prime dominate the way that he did. There was nothing more exciting if you like golf than watching Tiger Woods in the red and black on Sunday afternoon. And to see him, we all thought Tiger was almost like Kobe Bryant. He was impervious to pain, but to see him just grimacing and limping and the conditions being as bad as they were, mm-hmm. you know, we all went through that, especially on Saturday when the monsoon came through here. It was it was horrible. And then to watch him just get through and then eventually have to quit, of course, you know, I don't think Tiger has anything else left to prove. He's done the unimaginable in golf since he's been in the tour. Of course, he is still chasing the Jack Nicholas record that most people thought when he first broke onto the scene that he would have broken in and, and started lapping that record by this time. But it's it's unfortunate some of the things that he that he's had to endure that has kept him from being able to reach the heights and the successes that he, I know him he himself would love to have reached, but that even being that even being the case, I don't think Tiger has anything else left to prove. And I'll I'll tell you something else that stood out on Sunday, especially Phil Mickelson had a a round to be extremely proud of, but yet nobody paid hardly any attention to it because there was. They were worried about the 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 Kepka and Rom distance. I mean, they kept three to four to five strokes apart in in the end of the third round, and of course the the final round there on Sunday. So much so that Phil Mickelson just came and snuck up on him, and he had himself a wonderful wonderful round of golf to finish out the Masters. Of course, I, I tell you, uh, Phil can still play. There's a lot of them that can still play, and Anyone who's ever watched the Masters or who have ever traveled to Augusta National, the course is immaculate, but it is tough because of the terrain. There's the hills and valleys that you have to continue to walk up and down over four days can take a toll on anybody. And for Phil to be at his age and to perform the way he did, that was something that stood out to me as well. Anything else you got in, in regards to the Masters, Wayne? Well, you know, if, if Phil Mickelson can do this, thing where he kind of hangs back and then all of a sudden makes a surge uh they need to come up with a nickname for that cat 
You know, <laughs> it's got to be some kind of nickname for a guy who has been around for a while and can do something like that without people noticing. Some sort of maybe silver ghost or something. I don't know. We call it Mickelson Magic. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know that was cheap. If I had a sound effect button, I would have hit it at that point in time. But, uh, you know, it, it happens. But, no, you're, you're, you're right. And Phil Mickelson has he has strengthened his game as he has aged. And you're right. He does a lot of those what I call board climbing where he's maybe one or two under par. And then he sneaks up on you. And next thing you know, he's six under, yeah. seven under, eight under. So. Um, the next, the next, uh, um, I don't know if it, the next one is the PGA championship. I think that may be the next, uh, major on the PGA tour, but don't be surprised to see Phil Mickelson lurking in the midst there in the next PGA major that comes up on next on our docket. Of course, we're going to jump into some major league baseball. And before I talk about the Braves, Wayne. I know you've paid attention to the hot start that the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and the reason I say Devil Rays is because that's the throwback jersey they've been wearing yeah. during this hot streak. Uh, the 10-0 Rays right now, the best start in the major since 1987. Wayne, what in the world can you attribute their hot start to? It was just uh, playing solid, you know, not, not really making uh, errors, and, uh, you know, maybe it's the, the – uh, manager managing the team in a way that uh, gives them a chance to succeed like this but it is definitely a surprise to me i know I, I didn't you pick them uh earlier this season to be something to look at and see all of us had picked uh new york we thought they were going to be the strong team and then not that new york's bad right now but uh i think uh tampa bay is now 11 and 0 so see you know. and the reason tampa i tell people i follow the rays for a long time and they are always what i call sneaky good you know <laughs> and the, like i said they're, they're 10 and 0 now 11 and 0 start best since the 1987 milwaukee brewers um the brewers and the 1982 atlanta braves share the record for the longest winning streaks to start an mlb season at 13 games and the rays are right there at it right you know but the key that i've noticed wayne is the Rays have outscored their opponents by a margin of 76 to 18 during this stretch. Yeah. And it sounds simple, but it's easy, it's easy to win when you outscore their opponent. Yeah. And, you know, that was one of the things that uh, we had talked about. Uh, maybe it was last year or maybe it was the time before that is how the, the scoring was uh, down and that it try, had turned into a pitcher's game. And I think that maybe it's the new rules that's helping them out. I don't know. It's a lot. I mean, you, you got to understand, Wanda Franco, he he and, and Brandon Lowe were both due for breakout and bounce back campaigns. You know, Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs, from the pitching standpoint, um, they were good from their work last year. But when the Rays took Zach Eflin and upgraded his change up and curve, man, they, the performance has just been amazing. Not only that, I mean, think about it. It's Tampa. And that's not necessarily a big market, but it has been a winning market for many, many teams yeah. throughout the years, whether it's been the Bucks winning Super Bowls with, with Tom Brady, you know, consistent playoff appearances, whether it's the Rays with division titles, you know, not necessarily have been made to a, 
a World Series yet, but I think that's on the docket if they continue to play well, the way that they have been playing. If uh, you know, if if the teams that go down there win like that and continue to win like that, uh, what are the chances that some NBA team is going to decide to skip town and move down to Tampa? I mean, I know it's close to Miami, but you know, if they're winning, why not? Well, you know, you got Orlando about an hour. Yeah. Well, I'd say probably about an hour and a half, maybe two hours away. Uh, Interstate four. Uh, Miami's about two, three hours away, back to the south. Who, I mean, who knows? Uh, having a third team in Florida couldn't hurt. And well, <laughs> but, but, I mean, but that's 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 an an awesome point. Like if, if California can have twelve teams, why can't Florida have three? Yeah, but, no. but, you're, but you're right. It, you know, another thing about Tampa is that the division that they're in are full of the big name, you know, heavy hitting oh. teams like Boston, New York, and if you want to consider Toronto. And I know Toronto fans are now getting upset at me because I'm just saying this. <laughs> but being a Texas Ranger fan, I can't be too fond of Toronto. Look, Toronto's lineup on um, hitter wise is loaded, and the majority of their lineup is all second or third even generation stars. Where you know Vlad Guerrero Jr., Biggio, Bichette. I mean, they have the lineup that can compete. But you know, Todd said earlier in his um, outlook for the season that he expected Tampa, Boston, um, New York, and of course Toronto to all compete there in that brutal AL East division. But I tell you, a lot of people don't, 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 don't turn your eyes sideways at the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, well, they, Baltimore took 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 two uh, out of three from Texas, uh, so you know I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poo poo on uh, Baltimore right now. No, no, not at all, not at all. That AL that AL East is a brutal division, and and how does that transpire into some Braves talk? Well, the big news out of out of Atlanta thus far is the unfortunate circumstances surrounding Ian Anderson and the potential that many people are reporting that he is on the way to having Tommy John surgery. And we've seen him struggle not only last year, but the, the first start that he had this year with Gwinnett did not go as hot as most Braves fans were hoping. And to find out that he had strained the UCL to the point to where it's going to require Tommy John surgery. Uh, unfortunate for Anderson, but I think it's going to help him in the long run because I think that he has a lot of potential still there. And I think he is more than capable, as we've seen Ian Anderson be a key arm for the Braves in many of their not only playoff runs, but even in the World Series run a couple of years ago. So you hate to see that happening to him. But I think long long term, I think it'll be good for him to get back in. And, and, and as we've talked offline, you know, if Michael Soroka can come back after two uh, – Achilles heels tears. I'm pretty sure Ian Anderson can come back from a Tommy John surgery and perform to the best of his ability. Thoughts? Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm still kind of uh, clueless a little bit about a lot of these surgeries, and I know this one has been mentioned time before. And uh, how many people usually come back fully from that surgery? Well, there are many people. It's Tommy John surgery in baseball has almost become as normal or complacent, I don't want to say complacent, as normal or as commonplace as what ACL surgeries are for basketball and football. Okay. You, know, you stay out a year, most things are good, you come back, the, the thing that you have to build up is a velocity, but in Ian Anderson's case, 
the thing that made him as good as he was and can be is his changeup. So yeah. you, it doesn't require a lot of velocity to throw an accurate changeup. It's just there has to be a difference in velocity between fastball and change to throw the, the hitter off. And I believe that that could be a possibility. But, yes, your, your Tommy John surgery in baseball now is almost as commonplace as what your ACL surgeries are in basketball and football. Yeah. So, with that being the case, I wish Ian Anderson well. I think he's going to be able to do wonderful things. I, um, he's going to have the best surgeries and physicians to be able to take care of him, of course. But we want to see him get back because the Braves, with all the injuries that they are currently facing, need as many arms as they can possibly, possibly get. Um, I'll even tell you to another level, it was on a brighter side, seeing Michael Soroka have two good starts back-to-back, he may be able, uh, he may even be able to get back to Atlanta sooner rather than later. It would not surprise me to see Soroka back to the big league club probably around Mother's Day, may not even, maybe even Memorial Day, if he keeps putting up the numbers that he's been putting up, Wayne, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it, all these guys seem to come back a lot quicker than they used to, and that may be, you know, attributed to, uh, you know, the medicine that they've got now or the, the, the type of training and rehab they get. Oh, most definitely. You know, um, Soroka's situation is so different because we've never seen the likes of two Achilles tears on a baseball player before back-to-back. Yeah, to see him come and throw uh, four innings in his first start, I think he threw five innings on his last start there in Gwinnett, and to be able to have maybe one run in each of those with, I think the first start he had four strikeouts, his last one um, five or six strikeouts, he's getting there. You're starting to see the command, and having him kind of solidify that fifth starter role for the Braves after seeing Kyle Wright not do as well as we expected him to do against Cincinnati a couple of nights ago. Um, it's just he's trying to get back up to 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 his level of play that we saw last year, of course, for Atlanta. But we're looking even at tonight, many, many pundits have said Spencer Strider's velocity has been down. You know, both Jared Schuster and Dylan Dye got sent down because of velocity issues. Um, not to mention they were allowing a lot of teams to hit the ball, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. They're young enough to where they can still get a lot of work in there. Gwinnett, not a problem there. But not having Max Free for a couple of starts, you know. Um, thank goodness for Bryce Elder being able to be as dominant as he's been in his couple of starts. He's been the 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 bright spot for the Braves rotation so far this year. But to endure the injuries to Freed to Anderson, to Soroka, you know, to uh, Travis Darno now, who's out with concussion protocol after the collision he had against uh, San Diego just last week. You know, the, the, the majority of the important Braves are on a mass unit. So it would be good. I'm, I'm glad that they're treading water. They still lead the division by a game and a half over the Mets, and most of us all picked the Braves to win the division. Right. The Braves aren't the only team in the division going through injury woes. The Mets are going through their injury woes. Um, the Phillies are going through their injury woes as well. So the, the the beauty of about baseball is it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And most of us who have been in the Atlanta area for any time over 
the last five years during his division title run know that Snicker knows what he's doing. Just trust Nick, trust yeah. the process, and know that Alex and Doblis, if, if holes need to be plugged, he's going to do his due diligence to make sure that this team is competitive and 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 in in the running for another potential World Series title as well. Any other thoughts? Well, we, we got a we got a little bit of a uh, surprise uh, call in guest. Uh, this is Todd Corder that has decided to call in and join the show. Todd, what's going on, man? Hey, gentlemen, just uh, caught bits and pieces talking about the Braves' rotation. Um, glad to join you this evening. Sorry I'm a little late, but um, uh, I had other duties. So you were talking about Bryce Elder and, and him being right now the top Braves performer. You got to, you know, I was at the game uh, Monday night when, when Bryce was pitching, and he really got bailed out by the Braves' defense. Cincinnati hit a lot of hard-hit balls in the infield. They turned three double plays, or that that, situ- that game could have been much different. But, uh, you know, pitchers do rely on good defense. And Atlanta had some good defense, particularly at third, second, and short. So uh, if you're, you're, your strength of your team is up the middle, that, that's going to help out the pitching staff. You guys did mention the injuries. And, you know, Soroka, we'll see, you know, if and when he comes back, it's going to, it's going to be a long process. That's for sure. And when Max Freed comes back, the A settle, that'll settle the rotation down. And of course, you know, the young kids got sent down, Jod and uh, Dodd and uh, Schuster, you guys mentioned that, but um, the bullpen has been pretty good this season. Uh, they did get hit hard uh, the last game against San Diego. That's for sure. That is a team to look out uh, in the National League. That is going to be one of the better teams in baseball for sure. I mean, the San Diego took three or four from Atlanta. Injuries or not, they're part of the game. So, and it's a long season. It is. It is definitely a marathon. It's not a sprint. So, uh, these things do happen. And you just have to take it one game at a time. And, and it's, it, it is an extremely long season. Season. It's way too early to be concerned about anybody's uh, uh, place in the standings. Speaking of place in the standings, if you don't mind me saying, Tampa Bay, <laughs> they're 11-0. and 0. This is just a phenomenal story. Uh, their plus run differential last time I looked at it was plus 57. And they're leading eight to three in the top of the six against Boston. I mean, yeah, that's a story worth mentioning. The Razor, their their run differential now is plus sixty three. And of course, you know they played Detroit. They they did play some bottom feeders um, uh, to start the season. But any team that goes eleven and zero in Major League Baseball for their first eleven games, um, that's. That's a tremendous feat, and that doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, Kansas City went nine and zero not long ago and just finished a tick over five hundred. So again, it's a long season, but you got to tip your cap literally and figuratively to the Rays uh, having a chance to be twelve and zero. They're three and a half, and they're four innings away from doing it. That that's quite a feat. Any other things you guys want to discuss around baseball? Any surprises? I know that. Arizona is leading the West. We mentioned San Diego. They're three and one against Atlanta, but they're seven and six overall. Uh, you know, that, that, that NL West is going to be a tight race, and it, it could be a four-team race. You, you never know, Larry. No, you're you're absolutely right, and and you know we 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 discussed it at the the break of it how 
the AL East is such a tight division with Boston and with Toronto and Tampa and New York. And it'll be a dogfight till October to see who comes away with the AL East title. I'll even throw something at you, TC. One of the things that we were getting ready to bring up was Fernando Tatis Jr. having a rehab. Well, he's been playing rehab ball under a PED suspension. Do you think he ought to still be playing rehab assignments being suspended for PEDs? Well, the rules allow him to do it. So whatever the rules allow, the players allow to do it. And it, honestly, it doesn't really matter what I think. It, it, it's it's what the, the players' union and, and management uh, in Major League Baseball came up with. And they're allowing him to play uh, play games in the minors with, you know, even though he has the PED uh, charge against him and he will finish his major league suspension before he can come back. This is a way for him. I get the twofold side. One is why is he playing games in the minors? Well, because from the player side, they'll have this player when he comes to uh, into major league baseball, he'll have the required at bats. So when he steps in to play major league baseball, He's ready to go. Maybe from a management standpoint, and, and, and the other 29 teams, certainly not the Padres' standpoint, from a management standpoint, wait, wait a minute, that's not fair. He should be able to step in and play. He should go through a, a spring training in the minors after his suspension is over instead of being able to take his spring training in the minors so when he's ready, he's ready to go. Now, the players are always for the players, even if they're on different teams. Management, of course, they're, all, they're thinking about the bottom line. Winning means dollars. Dollars means success for the team. Follow the money uh, from the peewee to the pros, and you'll get your answer for anything in sports. It is always about the money. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and my curiosity when it came to the Padres is Xander Bogarts plays short. Fernando Tatis plays short. When he comes back from suspension, how will that affect the Padres lineup? Will one of those just be strictly a DH? Will they alternate or how they're going to do it? Because their lineup, as it stands, is loaded. And and we saw just how potent that lineup is and was during the series with the Atlanta Braves. He's probably move to right field, Larry. That's, uh, that's the talk is that he may move to right field. We'll, we'll see. You know, uh, Cronenworth can move around in the infield uh, for San Diego. So they got a lot of moving parts. You're right. This is, a, this is a team that's loaded. I expect them to win the West. But then again, I mentioned it. Arizona is one of my sleepers in, in, in preseason predictions that Arizona will be a sleeper, and they sure handle the Dodgers. Oh, yes, they have. And, and to to take that and, and sprinkle a little seasoning on it, have we seen the best days of Clayton Kershaw? He's a gamer. I, you know, you look at Kershaw and his age, and people ask this every year, have we seen the last days of Clayton Kershaw and what's he do? He writes the ship. I mean, he's not at the age at this point where I say I've seen the last days of him. I mean, I I say no. I mean, maybe he's not in his prime, but he's still better than most major league pitchers. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's 35, 6'4", 225, 
you know, still lefty. What's he one and one with three point seven five ERA? I mean, that's that's pretty darn good. No, I expect Kershaw to right in the ship and still be pretty good. Maybe not prime good, but still better than most pitchers in baseball. No, absolutely. And and my final baseball pinpoint for the evening with enough data to be able to form an opinion. Are the new rules working for Major League Baseball? Well, they're getting what they want. They want shorter games. Um, I they they want more stolen bases. They got that. Unfortunately, the strikeout rate is high. The walk rate is high, and putting in the ball in play is not as high as they would like it. So you know these players are still at that launch angle. You see a lot of players in Major League Baseball that have no business taking a big long swing with two strikes, and until they learn to shorten up like they did back in old school, um, uh, you know, and put the ball in play, you're still going to get it no matter the uh, uh, play of pace. I mean, I always think honestly that this never this this pitch clock that you call it. I mean, I'm at the other. I'm at the game Monday night. I'm like, wow, this is really fast. I don't mind being when I'm at the game. I don't mind being there three hours. You, you know, I that doesn't bother me. I'm pretty old school, but I tell you what, this pitch clock, Larry, this stuff never needed to happen to begin with, and here's why, if you don't mind me saying, the umpire's job is to get the hitter in the box and get the pitcher to pitch and tell him to play and get going. Don't let the don't let the hitters, the umpires, let these hitters step out in and out for years without allowing them, with allowing the game to become much longer. The, the umpire's job is to get the game going, put the batter in the box, and keep them in there instead of stepping out. And the umpires honestly didn't do their job doing that, and this is why we're at the position we're at. We're at it is some somewhat the pitcher's fault. They, you know, the worst thing for the fielders is for a pitcher to sit there and take forever to throw a pitch because it is harder to stay attention and be ready. And then, then the other side, the batter is sitting there adjusting his gloves and whatnot or whatever he's doing. And the batter's, you know, outside that batter's box, the ump says, no, let's go, let's go. And they fail to do that. So it's each, each one's fault. But I just don't think it needs to be done. If you wanted to change the, 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 where the ball's being put in play more, raise the mound slightly and move the fences back. But then again, you'll have less seats, which is less money, unless you decide to expand the stadium. And it is all about the money. I don't think this pace, these rules were about the pace. They were also about the money because they want gate and they want people to come to the games. Shorter game, more money at the gate. No, not only that, but most stadiums have extended their big sales to of the eighth inning, if you are a beer drinker, most stadiums usually wrap it up at the seventh inning stretch. And now because the games have been lasting shorter, they, they're, the concession stands have been opening up beer sales throughout the end of the eighth inning. So if you're a beer drinker, you got to love that so you can get you a beer before you wrap up and, and call it a night. But, TC, you're absolutely right there. It's They've got the, the faster games, which – I think is a plus when it comes to games that happen on weeknights during school and school season, because a kid can take a game two and a half hours, get home, get back in the bed, usually 10, 10, 30, depending on where you're traveling from. 
and then not throw the scheduling of the parent out of whack. But the team is concerned about the monetary investment, of course. Is it going to make you money? They care about the money. Everybody cares about the money. Other than the, the happy beer drinkers, of course, everybody goes home happy, you know, especially after a win. That, that's right. And, you know, Larry, if you don't mind me shifting gears, I did a podcast today myself. Uh, it was an ATL Prime Sports special. I was able to get in for about 20 minutes. I interviewed uh, Stefan Rosner, who is uh, one of the beat reporters for the New York Islands Islanders for the uh, for the hockey news. And, you know, we're talking about that big game tonight that's going on now between the Islanders and the Canadians and the playoff scenarios and whatnot. If anyone wants to go look at that, go to Twitter and listen to it. It was on live on Twitter Spaces today. You can go to my account at C-O-R-D-E-R Todd, or you can go to ATL Prime Sports, and I'm sure you guys will retweet it out and, and, and put it on your accounts too and we we had a we had 80 something listeners live and now we've got 130 that have listened to it when i last looked so that's something that will benefit us and also if you're you know when you listen to this re- recording tomorrow um make sure to check out our prior podcasts on apple spotify youtube or go in and take a look at our twitter spaces podcast because we have several absolutely and to piggyback off of that right now, the Islanders are leading the Canadians in the second period with just under four minutes remaining by a score of three to three to one. Also, the other big game that will affect playoff seeding as well is knotted up at the beginning of the second period. Dallas and St. Louis all tied at two goals apiece. So both of Very those good. both of those contests will affect playoff seeding um, as the NHL playoffs right around the corner and, and as we begin to talk about playoffs that's a wonderful segue and transition into the nba and the atlanta hawks shocking the world shock the world, Ali, shock the, world. <laughs> the miami heat last night and and setting up a lot of the pundits by 116 105 playing tournament victory to secure the seventh seed in the playoffs of course they will head to boston to take on the celtics in the first round on saturday TC, Wayne, out there, just out to both of you guys. How much of an effect has Quinn Snyder had on this Hawks team? And do you consider it to be fool's goal? Go ahead, Wayne. I'll let you go first. Well, you know, I hadn't really watched the Atlanta Hawks too much. Uh, I've been kind of keeping up with the Grizzlies a little bit, but, um, you know, they've had their issues as well. Uh, but once the playoffs get started, well, uh, you know, fully get started, we'll know more of it. You know, it, it, earlier this year, Atlanta Hawks did not look good at all. So this is all the better for them. The Atlanta to Hawks. Are Sorry, go the, ahead. Wait. All right, go ahead. The Atlanta Hawks are the absolute definition of mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. You know, Full goals would be my answer. Well, and, and why do you say that, TC? Because this is a 500 team. It's been 500 all season. They played a little bit better under Quinn Snyder. Obviously, Trey Young with a good game last night. Murray had a good one. You had, what, seven players and double figures. And, uh, you know, they took care of business in Miami. But let's face it, they're going to go back to reality when they play Boston. I see this in five or four and out. The Celtics didn't win 57 games this season. Uh, they came within one game of having the one seed 
and the Eastern Conference, and you look at this Boston lineup, they're good. They have depth. I mean, Jason Tatum, I mean, uh, Brown, Brogdon, White, Smart, you name it. Horford, who used to play for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team with depth. They share the ball really well. They play good defense. This is not a good remedy for the Atlanta Hawks. I just think it's a bad matchup. And I, I see Atlanta done in four or five. I see fool's gold. You saw last night Trey Young. You know, this is something I think the Hawks seriously need to look into trading this guy. You know, they, he doesn't play well off the ball at all. At all. Your thoughts, Larry? No, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, I don't think, well, I, it's not a thing. I know the Hawks are not a good matchup with the Celtics, and there's several reasons why, but the main reason is the Celtics shoot the lights out of the ball from three-point range. From all the way from Marcus Smart to Al Horford, they put up 40 to 50 threes a game, you know, and if you shoot 40 to 50%, you can put most teams away with that kind of shooting percentage. It's the reason why they're the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. They're, they're good. They they made it to the finals last year. I think they feel like that they left something on the table and they have something to prove for. As far as the trading, Trey Young comments, yeah, I don't I don't think we need to trade Trey. And, and here's, here's my thought process. From the time that Steph Curry stepped on the court in Davidson, to the time that he made his first NBA Finals took nine years. Trey Young is still a kid. Yeah. He still got a lot of maturing to do. He still got a lot of games to put upon his belt. Some days, you, you could tell, especially toward the end of the Nate McMillan tenure there, you could tell that he was disengaged from the team and things of that nature. But to see him and, and since Quinn has been there, especially a lot last night, uh, Quinn Snyder kept him engaged, and almost at the end of all timeouts or at the end of quarter breaks, you would see him directly go over to Trey and start giving him things that he's paying attention to, to see the spacing, to see the things that they're doing that they were not doing during the season under Nate McMillan. As a Hawks fan, I'd love to see it. What I would love to also see, though, is I would love to see John Collins and DeAndre Hunter play like the players that they are capable of, because if they don't get going, I'm right with you, T.C., Austin, I say five games, six games. But hey, if they're four, if they're a five hundred team, looks like they're gonna go seven games and Boston will win in, in game seven, or the Hawks could win in game seven since they're a five hundred team. But I, I, I think I think Trey Young has some more basketball to get up under his under his belt, and I think as he matures and adds more time under his belt, we will get to see the better of Trey Young and Atlanta needs him. And I and I think with Quinn Snyder there. He's used to having a dual small backcourt under under Mike Conley and, and Donovan Mitchell. I think he'll be able to do things with Trey Young and with DeJounte Murray that we have not been able to see. Also, also going into one of the other games that we saw last night, the Lakers came away with a 108-102 victory against the Timberwolves. That's the seventh seed for them. Uh, they can face Wayne's Memphis Grizzlies. Wayne. Yeah, well, you know, John Morant said Morant's out with a uh, hand injury, so we'll see what happens there. Hopefully, uh, that won't last. And uh, I, I look forward to a Memphis and uh, uh, Boston uh, finals. 
I tell you what, that's possible. I can't rule that out. You know, Milwaukee's going to have something to say about it. Denver will have something to say about it. Sacramento will have something to say about it. Philadelphia will have something to say about it. And I tell you, a sleeper team is Cleveland. You know, they're getting better. Every, every, you know, as the season goes along, that's the mark of good coaching. This team's improved. And going back to the Hawks, gentlemen, it's a whole different thing playing Miami than it is Boston. And the reason I think the Hawks need to trade Trey Young, he doesn't play with off the ball at all. I mean, if he doesn't have the basketball, he's – I mean, it's it, 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 it's a deterrent for, for for them. I mean, the opponent's got to love it. Watch the film. He doesn't play off the ball well, and you know they should have they should have took Luca years ago from uh, from uh, Dallas. He's a Luca fan, huh? TC, you're, 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 oh, you're Luca's game is way better than Trey's game all around. No question. No question about it. He's a so we had to put that up poll up on the ATL Prime Sports. Twitter page. We had to put a poll up, Wayne, uh, Luca, Trey, to see what the the fans say about that. Um, but that's a great idea. Just just to see where, and, and not only that, Trey Young has taken the Hawks farther than what Luca's been able to do multiple times, and even with playing tournament success, Luca with Kyrie Irving or Kristaps Porzingis has not been able to take Dallas to the promised land. In fact, they missed the playoffs this year. Looking at another lottery pick, I don't know if that pick goes to New York in the Jalen Brunson trade, but Mark Cuban's got a lot to fix over when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks. Well, there's no question. He does have a lot of fix, but you know, you look at Luka. I mean, this is a guy that almost averages a triple-double. I mean, he can't do it himself. I, I I don't think his supporting cast is as good as um, as Trey's. This is arguably, though. But Dallas, you know, you look at them, you know, they didn't have Kyrie Irving the whole season, obviously. They only had him for, what, 20 games? So, you know, you look at the statistics and all that. To me, the, the West is a little bit better than the East, if you ask me. It's a little deeper. But, um, and, you know, that's a great debate. We'll have to put it up there on a poll question on ATL Prime Sports. Who would you take? I like it. Absolutely. Wayne, any final thoughts before we get into, I know you already said you got Memphis and yeah. Boston. Uh, Boston in the finals. Right. What thoughts you got before we get TC's finals, and I'll wrap it up with my finals picks as well? No, that's what. I'm sticking with that. As the story is sticking to it, TC, who you got in the finals and who comes away with it all? I'll, I'm I'm gonna say I'll say the Celtics, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Denver. Ooh, he goes with the Nuggets. Yep, it's been a long time. Uh, home court means something, even though you would think it means something in the East. I'll say it's Boston and Denver. Usually the NBA goes one-one. Usually it's Milwaukee and Denver, but I'll throw Boston there. Other than that, it's not like the NHL where the eight seed can come out and win the conference. I mean, we were talking the Islanders earlier. You know that could be their first round opponent, Boston, the uh, the, the the Bruins, who set an NHL team record not only for wins but points in a regular season. But they could go goodbye in round one. It's a lot more wide open in the NHL than it is in the NBA. It's not even close. 
Agreed. Agreed. If uh, my pick, I'm going Phoenix um, and Milwaukee, a rematch of the finals a couple of years ago. And I think Phoenix is going to win. And I think it'll give Kevin Durant his next set of rings. Uh, he and Devin Booker have been playing lights out together. Uh, with Chris Paul just being able to just manage the ship, you don't need a lot from him now. I just think Kevin Durant has something to prove after the debacle that was the Brooklyn Nets. I think it will be Phoenix and Milwaukee to hit the finals with Phoenix coming away to cut down the Nets and, and walk away with the Larry O'Brien trophy this season. Next up, we're going to sit chat a little bit about the NFL. And, and TC and I have had some uh, conversations <laughs> Here about my Atlanta Falcons and and some of the things that they have done and just just TC let Terry Fontenot cook so let him continue to cook and do what he does best continue to pull off another silent assassin deal in trading for former Lions first round pick Jeff Akuda of course Akuda will be a second stringer on the Falcons secondary TC I let you tee this one up man. What does this mean concerning the eighth overall pick for the Falcons in, in the NFL draft in a couple of weeks? Oh, my gosh. This is probably me and you. This is probably our favorite subject. I mean, the Lions with Jeff Okuda, they, they had to let him go. They got a fifth-round pick. The, the Lions have drafted extremely well. This is why they're in the situation they're in. Uh, I can see them getting a solid player in the fifth round. They did one get one in Ahmad St. Brown, who's one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Akuda just didn't work in Detroit. Will he work in Atlanta? I don't know. look at the film. I don't. He's not even going to start for the Falcons. Um, is he going to play a lot? I'm not so sure. Why do you give up a draft pick to a guy that's not going to play? And why does the local media think, well, now that you've drafted him, you're automatically going to go offense? To me, you still have to go that D line if it's there. Now, if you're hell bent on taking an offensive guy because as management, you think you've done enough spending $65 million on the defense, and I still don't think the defense is good enough. Um, it's much improved, but it's not good enough. If you're hell-bent on getting a player in the, in the first round, I think pound for pound, you take the Robinson kid and the running back from Texas. To me, pound for pound – is the best player in the draft. Now, all your analytics and all your geeks out there, or you can't take a running back eighth in a draft. That's way too high for terms of value. The Dallas Cowboys took Ezekiel Elliott in the first round not long ago. How'd that go? Uh, the Rams took, uh, what was it, uh, Todd Gurley uh, a while ago. How did that go? It went well for a while especially Zeke Elliott. So if Atlanta to me is going to go offense and if they do, if I wouldn't do it. I would still go defensive line. I would go defense. I would get Kaylee Ringo. And, I, you know, Nolan Smith, I don't know if he'll be there at eight. We don't know if Jalen Carter will be there at eight. We, we, don't, we don't have a clue. Nobody knows. And if they're telling you they know, they're only guessing. So, but if you're going offense, Robinson's the answer to me. I know a lot of people like the wide receiver from TCU, but I haven't heard much talk about that. So who knows what they're going to do. Could the Lions go Jalen Carter at six? I don't know. Um, you know, the Falcons could actually trade down and then get Jalen Carter and get an extra pick. I always think it's best to trade down if you're in the top ten to get an extra pick. i got to hear your analysis. 
Well, before we jump into it, Wayne, what, what are your thoughts? What do you think this means for the eight overall pick for the Falcons? Um, I am I am less concerned with who they draft or who they pick, and I'm I'm more wondering if there's a player on uh, Atlanta's defense which is going to step up and be a leader on that defense. And I don't just mean somebody, a leader, you know, like I'm the best guy on defense, but uh, uh, somebody that, you know, would be like a, I don't know if you remember this player, y'all probably do, Mike Singletary uh, used to be the leader of that defense. And I think if Atlanta could have somebody like that who could motivate and have as good of eyes on what the offense is doing and able to call out adjustments, I think that'd be a bigger deal than who you get. Oh, I would listen. If you could give me a Mike Singletary type linebacker <laughs> that could be surrounded by a, a Richard Dent, a, a, a Steve Mongo McMichael, a refrigerator Perry, you know, a Dave Gerson type, and, and, and just let them do what they do best. Listen, I, you wouldn't hear nothing from I would be the biggest, just the biggest fan known to man, even more so than what I already am. But to TC's point, my top three players in this draft, and in, in, in no particular order to me, are Jalen Carter, Bijan Robinson, and Will Anderson. I think they are the top three players, period, in this draft. Now, whether Atlanta is going to be able to get one of those, who knows? But to me, now that they've addressed a lot on the defensive side of the ball, what I do know is cornerback and defensive line, or you can even use edge rushers, are the plethora of picks in this year's draft. I love the idea of trading down. Like if I could get to about 12, 13, and pick up a couple of picks this year, if not one, and a couple of next year, there's enough to where you could pick, you could get an edge rusher plus an offensive player and still stockpile picks and have enough to where you can pick up somebody in the second round, maybe an Ozolari, maybe, you know, um, heck, there's so many different ones you can name, but they are loaded in the draft with edge people. Let's look at what they did last year. Epicati was a second round pick, and he wasn't just, you know, head on fire blazing Nick, Joey Bosa, coming off giving you multiple sacks, but he was a very productive player as a rookie. I think year two is going to be good for him. Who's to say that, you know, I, I even talked about it on Twitter. Why not t take a, a B. John Robinson or, you know, get the best edge rusher if Jalen Carter's available, take him, and then turn around and get a Jameer Gibbs from Alabama in the second round, you know? You, you have so many different opportunities to be able to better this team. And I don't, I mean, even with spending $65 million on the defensive side of the football, I do not think Atlanta is done improving that side of the ball yet. But we also know Arthur Smith loves big, bruising running backs. If you want to pull your library catalog out, please see Derrick Henry and his tutelage in Tennessee. You could get that same type of power with Bijan, but you get more versatility because you can move him into the slot. You can let him play single back. He can, I mean, if you had to do with him and Algier in a split backfield, you know, that'd be lethal. You know, there's so many different things that you could do utilizing him in an Arthur Smith offense. So as far as that comes, that, that would be amazing. And something else that I saw via Sports Illustrated that growing speculations that DeAndre Hopkins might be Terry Fontenot's next target 
on draft night. Any chance that deal happens, TC? Oh, anything can happen on draft night. I mean, that would be pure speculation for me to say yes, no, and different. Somebody's going to do something out of left field that none of us know, and when they do it, we're all going to go, oh, yeah, we figured that out. No, you did not. Nobody knows what's going to happen in this draft, not Mel Kuyper, not any of them, because it can change on a dime. And guess what? Tampa Bay's trying to trade linebacker Devin White. Now that has my attention. I know Devin White wasn't the player he was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but he's fed up and he's frustrated with the direction of the team now that Tom Brady's not there anymore and he retired. He's unhappy with his current situation. But when this guy is happy and when he's on, that's a football player is what Devin White is, and somebody's going to get one. A great football player at that, and that was exactly what our next point was, is about Devin White formally requesting a trade if he does leave Tampa, what does that mean? Wayne, I'll let you tee this one up. What does it what does it mean for not only Tampa Bay, but the rest of the NFC South? I'm not sure I've even gone there to think that far ahead. You know? <laughs> the farthest ahead I'm thinking is uh what are the chances that uh, Tyree Wilson ends up with the uh, Falcons? Well, I'll I'll tell you what. Here here's here's the three scenarios that I played in my head over and over again when it comes to trial. Okay, if four quarterbacks are taken within the first six picks, then everything is on the table for Atlanta. Wow, that would stun me. You know, would that stun you? Would that stun you? Two, two. I think Bryce Young will come off. I think Anthony Richardson will come off. I think Will Levis will come off, and I do think C.J. Stroud is going to come off. I think those four going to to come off and there could be a, a, a potential fifth but I do believe those four come off I do believe well you know Carolina needs a quarterback Houston needs a quarterback um Indy needs a quarterback you know and then uh let's see Carolina Indy Houston I'm missing one I'm missing one well that needs a quarterback but we, we said Carolina, Houston, Indy, um, goodness. Who was the other one uh, needs a quarterback? I'll, I'll come to me in a moment, but if you see those four come off, because if that's the case, then, then everything is on the table for Atlanta. If three of them come off, then here's where you, you, you've got issues because Tyree Wilson is going to come off the board. Christian Gonzalez is going to come off the board. Jalen is going to definitely come off the board. So, for, for, if you do four quarterbacks and you do those three and, and include what, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson. Um, the quarterback Jesus. you haven't spoken about, that, if I may say, Larry, is the quarterback from Tennessee. I think he's going to the first round despite the injury. He was really good last year. And you know what? Honestly, he could be taken as a third quarterback, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Well, I've actually got him mocked, and people people will laugh at me and say this to me, but I actually have him mocked going to New England. That wouldn't shock me at all because they'd turn around and trade the other guy from Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing surprises me in this draft. Nothing. Yeah, you know, and speaking of, right. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're, I was saying you're, you're absolutely right. I was just agreeing with you, TC. Go ahead. 
No, speaking of quarterbacks, we got to do this if you don't mind me changing gears. Look, the Aaron Rodgers situation, is it going to get done? I believe it is because Joe Douglas, the GM for uh, the Jets, and of course the Packers uh, GM, uh, Gukinus, is, they're, they're good friends. So, you know, supposedly they have a, a handshake binding agreement that they're going to get it done. Uh, before the draft, it, 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 but there are no signs right now that anything imminent is going to happen. So maybe be after the draft, they still got to work out some particulars, and they're still talking probably on a daily basis to try to get this thing done. But what if, what if they don't? Even though they've already, the Jets already acquired Rogers' quote-unquote backup guy in Green Bay that's been there for years. They've already acquired him. So, you know, do I think it's going to get done? Yes. But if it doesn't, but I still, honestly, I still think it's going to get done. It's, it's all about compensation. What draft pick is going to be there? Is it going to be a first? Is it going to be a second? It's got to be one or the other. It won't get done. But say it doesn't get done, oh, my gosh, the San Francisco 49ers have got to be going, hey, hey. How about us? Because <laughs> they only have one quarter, one quarterback that's healthy right now. So um, that still has legs. I'm not sure how many legs are on the horse uh, because I do think it's going to get done. But Aaron Rodgers is sitting there, and you're the 49ers. You're a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl, even though Purdy may be the guy to take you. You still got to make sure he's ready. Do you not? feel it out if it doesn't happen and, and try to get Aaron Rodgers or do you stay with who you got? It all depends on the money and the compensation. It all is about the money. Follow the money, you'll get your answer. Yeah, when it comes to San Francisco, I think it's more along the lines of compensation because of what they had to give up in the Trey Lance deal. So yep. The compensation would be the issue there, not necessarily the money. You could even predict if, if you wanted to be I'm not going to jump into John Lynch's head but what if Hendon Hooker is laying around there toward the end of the first? Uh, I don't know. They got Brock Purdy. He played really well. I don't see the 49ers going there. I, I, I don't. But I tell you what, it, it, you know, talking Detroit about drafting a quarterback, they don't need to do that. They just need a solid backup because Jared Goff's the guy. So I, I don't know. It, it's going to be a team. I don't. Who knows? I mean, this is so unpredictable. You and I could talk all night about scenarios, and we probably wouldn't hit any of them. No, you're absolutely right. And I think the the key so far is going to be if Arizona stays at three or if they trade down. And I think that's going to be the key to determine what happens as the rest of the dominoes continue to fall in the NFL draft. Before we switch over to OBJ signing with um, the Ravens. Any, any other thoughts you got? I, I, you know what? The quarterback deal and may it just it fascinates me. I don't think Seattle takes one. I don't think the Cardinals take one. It wouldn't shock me if Seattle took a quarterback, even though they signed their guy for a few years. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock. Yeah, I, look, it would surprise me if the Falcons drafted a quarterback, but it wouldn't shock me. I'm not, I'm sh I'm not shocked by anything. Uh, look at Tennessee sitting at 11. What do they do? 
Um, you know, Houston's at two and twelve. I mean, what do they do? I mean, you would think one of the picks will be a quarterback. You think it's the second one. Um, I mean, golly, does Green Bay draft a quarterback at fifteen if it's there? I mean, we could go through these scenarios all night long. No, you could. I think what Houston does, this is their dream scenario. And any Texans fans is listening, I, I guarantee you, you would agree with me. You you are going to hope and pray that you get Bryce Young and B. John Robinson at 2 and at 12. And if you do that, you have just revitalized your entire fan base because you're, you're a Texas-born, Texas-bred running back is coming home. I tell you what, it wouldn't shock me if the Dallas Cowboys traded up to get Robinson because he's from Texas. Mm-hmm. And they could use help at running back because uh, Zico Elliott's gone. And, and, of course, they have the kid from Memphis that Wayne knows. And he's hurt, but he should be back. But I could see Robinson. I could see Robinson fall due to all the analytics and the geeks out there. I could see Robinson fall to 27 where Dallas is. I could see it. Jerry Jones would lose his ever-loving mind. He would. He'd be on the phone, five phones. Get Robinson in here, but I could see Dallas moving up because they love him. Man, a lot of, a lot of scenarios to play out. We've got two weeks remaining before uh-huh. the NFL draft round one. Thursday night, a couple of weeks from tomorrow night, we will – I'll probably be tuned in to it. Any other thoughts before we transition into Lamar Jackson's newest toy, Odell Beckham Jr.? <laughs> oh, bring Toys R Us in. He's definitely staying in Baltimore now. They didn't pay this kind of money. They didn't overpay OBJ for 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 um, for they're not, they're keeping him for sure now, Lamar. That that would be my point. It's a slam dunk that they're going to keep them for at least one year. They may not get a long-term deal done, but for one year, he's going to be there. Why do you pay, better yet, why do you pay that kind of money for OBJ? You really overpaid for him. That's my opinion. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. Trying to keep that 35 to $40 million a year man that you've got <laughs> happy. That's why you do it. I guess, but it's not going to get you a Super Bowl. Uh, I'm not even sure it gets you in the. It'll probably it might get you in the playoffs in that division. I mean, Cincinnati's the king right now. I see only the Bengals getting better with Joe Burrow. I only see Pittsburgh getting better with their with their kid uh, Pickett from the University of Pitt. Do I see the Browns getting better with uh, Deshaun Watson? I don't know. There's already drama in Cleveland. And Deshaun still has drama. So I'll wait on that. Yeah, I have, I have to agree with you. Even with his signing, I still think they they are the third best team in that division, if not the fourth. It all depends upon how Deshaun Watson blends in his second year there in Cleveland because we know the one constant that is going to be success there as a Browns fan, and I'm not one, is Nick Chubb. And he, he is the, the cure that ails all. For the Brown faithful, can Deshaun elevate that team and take them to the playoffs? Only time will tell. One final thought as we get ready to wrap up the show. YouTube TV unveils Sunday ticket in NFL Red Zone pricing details. 
TC's one th I thought about everything is always to follow the money. Well, is it worth $400 for you to be able to watch NFL football on YouTube TV? Gentlemen, your thoughts. We'll start with Wayne. What do you think, sir? No, I don't, I don't like it at all. I, 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 the streaming services should just stick to movies, old TV shows, maybe some specials here and there, but the sports thing just ain't working for me. Well, it's working for them. Man, <laughs> Follow that's... the money. They're going to get people to pay that kind of money for the NFL ticket, even though you're going to see the economy tank in the fourth quarter this year because a lot of businesses are going to lay people off. Oh, wait a minute. This is not a this is not a uh, uh, a, a uh, this is not Fox Business or whatever. Oh yeah, back to football. Yeah, it's good for them. They're going to charge three hundred forty nine dollars. That's the early bird special, I believe. People are going to pay it. I won't pay it. But uh, there are people out there that'll pay it. But you know, a lot of folks just are fantasy football fans, and they'll get the red zone instead. So you're going to see that scenario happen too. Yes, yeah, it's. it's it's crazy how, you know, just just a few years back, maybe pre-pandemic, we were all preaching the message, cut the cord, cut the cord, cut the cord. But if many people evaluate what they pay for on a monthly basis, think about all the streaming subscriptions most people have between Hulu and Netflix and Disney and, and Paramount Plus and, and, and now you got YouTube TV and now Sunday Ticket and now Red Zone. But before you before you think about it, if you add all of those up, you're paying what you would ordinarily pay plus your internet service bill. You're paying what you would ordinarily pay for a cable bill. You know. So the question is, the NFL is going to be sitting somewhere high on the hog as a result <laughs> of this. Yep. You know they're going to be the big winner. Are they always? Always, the NFL is the biggest, best moneymaker in sports. Uh, more people watch the NFL than anything. College football is starting to come up there to be second in second place, but they still more than double the viewers of college football, and it's not close. And they'll still get their money. People will still pay. I just thought eventually it would come to cable. I mean, to stream is almost as expensive as to cable now because of the, all the extra fees and all that. It's almost like an airline. When you take those discount airlines, oh, hey, I got a seat for $89. Oh, but wait a minute, it'll be $100 for your bags, and then you can go ahead and get another airline. But, I mean, it's all, it's all fees. It's all about the money, whether it's sports, business, it doesn't matter. Follow the money. You'll get your answer. Well, I'll be the first to tell you that there are ways around everything. If you're Texas, <laughs> if you are Texas, <laughs> you and I might be the same thinking the same way. Uh, I'm still going to get NFL football, whether I pay for the ticket or not. So we can discuss that off the air. But uh, yeah, there are there are ways out there. Of course, there are. No, absolutely. And trust me, there will be, it will, it will take just a day or two of Twitter scrolling to be able to find the people who have found the workarounds to paying YouTube TV to 350 and 400 bucks that they are requiring. I mean, it sounds big, but when you look at over 18 plus two playoff games, over 20 games, it's about 20 bucks a game. 
I'm not gonna play that to watch it in my house. You know, it is what it is. I pay that much anyway. But um but NFL is gonna gonna rake with this deal with YouTube TV and, and whose pockets is gonna hit us the fans as always. But the consumer always loses. Always. <laughs> now the dis now the discount, the deal now when you go in a grocery store, like if you go to Publix or wherever, the two for one. Uh, wait a minute, that that's the deal now? No, the better deal was earlier. Now it's, it, it, that's what you thought. There's never a deal anymore. No. So there's never a deal. There never is. Larry, when's your next game with uh, Rome on the PA? It will be Tuesday. Be home on Tuesday night. First pitch is scheduled 6 o'clock against the Hudson Valley Renegades. <laughs> And I didn't know if I'd be here on time tonight. I had so much other things to do with, with work and et cetera. So I'm glad I caught you guys. Um, I didn't mean to keep the show any longer if I did. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Wayne, for plugging me in. I haven't been on, been on a while. It's, I, you know, it's, it's life. But, Larry, we need to all come out there from ATL Prime Sports, get out there to Rome, and we need to do a show out there in a parking lot or something. You know, we can make that happen. We can. We can. We, we can do it live. We can do it live on Twitter Spaces, all of us together. That'd be awesome. It'd be yeah. awesome to have that to, to happen, and uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do to make that happen here in the next not too distant future. And May has, I think, almost every other day is a home game in Rome. In May, is a lot of home stands going on, so we we will have plenty of opportunities to be able to do that. That is for sure. Any final thoughts for? First of all, for UTC for the show. Nope, uh, had a great time. I enjoyed it. Uh, the Islanders are hanging on three to two in the third period. We'll see if they can get it done. If, if they do win tonight, we'll have uh, Stefan uh, Rosner on uh, to preview whoever the Islanders play. It'll either be, I believe, it'll either be Carolina or, or Boston. Depends what wild card slot they're in. So uh, we'll let you folks know in advance. Go to all our podcasts, either on Twitter Spaces, on on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, wherever. It's there. Sounds good. Thank you, TC. Wayne, any final thoughts for you, my friend? Well, the only final thought I've got is uh, this weekend, Saturday, the uh, 15th at 4.30 Eastern, uh, the Philadelphia Stars are playing the Memphis Showboats in the first USFL game of the season in Memphis, Tennessee at Simmons Bank Liberty Bowl Stadium. So that'll be where my attention is on Saturday. Wayne, that you know the USFL that they're they're back in Memphis. They used to be in the in the USFL back in the day. You know what that is? I'm glad you mentioned that. It's something for the city of Memphis. They've been dying for the USFL to come back, and now they've got it. Right. Got a new mascot to go along with it, Skipper. Oh, yeah, Skipper. Skipper. <laughs> uh, where's Gilligan? Oh, well, that's another show for another day. Right. Gilligan's Island. There you go, Gilligan's Island. And my final thoughts center around the MVP in basketball. And there's so much that could be said for the MVP race. To me this year, the one person who's not been mentioned a lot who I think is probably been the MVP for the last four, if not five years, is still Giannis Antetokounmpo. He does so much for Milwaukee. And when you look at the talent around him, 
compared to the talent around Joel Embiid, compared to the talent around uh, Nikola Jokic, Giannis continues to deliver night in and night out. And he, he's a warrior. He will not win the MVP award this year for basketball. It will probably go to Joel Embiid. But for me, in my personal opinion, I think Giannis continues to be the most valuable. If you look at the definition of value, he is the most valuable player in the NBA. Most Milwaukee fans would agree. And if you pay attention to basketball long enough, you would agree as well. For Wayne in Memphis, for my man TC, somewhere in, in, in Cherokee slash Cobb County, Woodstock area, Gardner here in the days. Well, thank you so much for joining our show. JJ, continue to get big, man. We'll see you next week. Guys, have a great night. And hey, as he always said to end the show, get you one.